Time for one more story. Listen for these words, the story from the Gospel of Luke. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a village in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin who was engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But Mary was perplexed by his words and wondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And look, now you shall conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord will give to him the the throne of his ancestor David, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said, How can this be? Because I am a virgin. The angel responded, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. Look, your cousin Elizabeth, in her old age, even she, she is in her sixth month. She has conceived a son like you. She who they said was barren, because nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Here am I, servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. Well, in those days, Mary set out and went with haste to uh, a town in the Judean hill country and entered the house of Zechariah. And at the sound of her greeting, the, the, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped. And when she heard Mary's greeting, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and she, she set out with a loud cry, <laughs> Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your woman. Oh, how can this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And Oh my gosh, when, when you came and I heard your greeting, the baby that is in my womb leaped for joy. And, <sighs> exactly, how could it be? Blessed is the one who trusted that that there would be a fulfillment of what the Lord had spoken. And Mary 
my spirit rejoices in God my Savior because he has looked with favor on the loneliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me God-like in happiness because the Mighty One has done great things to me. And holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He, he has set, set the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has taken care of Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promises that he made to our ancestors, to, to Abraham and to his, to his descendants forever. My soul magnifies the Lord. And Mary remained with her about three more months and then went back to her home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now let us pray. Holy and gracious God, be with us on this day. As we surround ourselves with your word and look upon what is to come, be with me in my speaking and my tears. Be with all of us in our hearing that we might hear your promises for us. In the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So as I told the 830 service, um, I, I, much like the Grinch who stole Christmas, had what I considered a wonderful and awful idea for this morning. And that is that I would not write a sermon, but just speak to you from the heart. Because I thought that if I did that, I would be able to get through this time with enough anxiety, with enough fear and trembling that I wouldn't cry through the whole thing. And then I went, I got here really early this morning and I thought, I, well, just, I'll just speak through it. I mean, it's not like I haven't been working on it, but I'll just, I'll just speak through it. And I started to speak and I just burst into tears in the chapel. And, uh, and then I said some words that aren't supposed to be uttered in chapels. And then I ran, I ran and I started writing feverishly. So what you will experience today is a, somewhat of a, a muddled combination of Casey who thought she could do this on her own. Uh, with just with you know with the guidance of the Holy Spirit and Casey who freaked out and started writing. Uh, but thank you for being here uh, with all of these words, because what I really wanted to do was to, to tell you, to tell you what you mean to me, and to preach the gospel. I was especially 
uh, excited when I heard that, uh, that this would be the gospel that was chosen for this particular Sunday. You know, we've been moving through each of the gospels and how they introduce the birth narrative. Uh, so I thank Whitney for letting me steal her preaching slot, and she told me at 8.30 that I could do it any time. <laughs> uh, but I assured her it would just be at 11. And uh, I love this story. It's one of my favorites to tell, and I know I've told it here a few times. Because it's the story of the hopes and the fears being met in these two women. It's a story of... of Promise being birthed into the world and all the messiness that comes with it. It's a story of God reaching out into the world and what is to come because of it. It is the story that has undergirded me these many years, and I pray you will hear something of it undergirding you as well. There are three things I'm, I'm hoping that you'll take away from this time and that, that we'll take away together as we, as we move forward into the future. And so the, the first one is that the angel says, do not be afraid. And as I've spoken here in this place before, that is not to say that there's nothing to be afraid of. The angel is uh, admitting to the fact that there is plenty to be afraid of. Mary had... No imagining that this was how her life was going to be unfolding. Her, her life was turned upside down in that moment that her, her angel said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. And this is why when I tell the story, I don't tell it as, as Mary excitedly accepting this, this call upon her life, but acknowledging the, that her humanity is, is leading her through this time with the appropriate amount of fear and trembling and the appropriate amount of trust. And that, that trust turns to hope over the, the arc of the narrative. But it, for me, it, it's, not so, it's not so important that it be relevant in the beginning because what I find most compelling about Scripture is that it's honest about who we are. I, I guess I, I could wish that my faith would be such that I could just boldly go everywhere and, and say I knew exactly what God was, was calling me to do, but that's never quite how it works out. There's always a lot of fear and trembling that goes along with it. So I'm grateful for this story of these two women and how they are inhabiting this world. There's no water in that glass. <laughs> I should have just gone with it and pretended that there was. If that, if that runs out, here's more. Thank you. <laughs> Clearly, the year of improv did not pay off. <clears throat> what I am drawn to about this angel's speech is, uh, is this utterance of do not be afraid, not being... Uh, because there's nothing to be afraid of, but because there, there is something to be afraid of. But the angel is, is in effect telling her, let fear not be your narrative. Let it not be your story. When I was discerning where God was calling me to, I, I went to a conference, and on the wall there was written, fear is a liar. And I, I think that's mostly true, except for when you're in front of a lion that's uncaged, then you should probably probably be afraid. But what I want to I want to tweak that to say, fear is not the whole story. 
And that's what the angel is saying to Mary. Fear is not the whole story. We cannot be guided by fear. We cannot let fear make our decisions for us. Because we are Christian, because we believe in God's promises, fear does not get to be the narrative for the day. There is lots to be afraid of, especially in this world. But fear will not be our narrative. So that is my first prayer for you all, that fear would not be your narrative, but that you would live into the fullness of of what God is unfolding before you, whether you expected it or not. The second observation I make about this story is the, the jubilation, the almost awkward joy with which Elizabeth uh, greets Mary. Ah, blessed are you among women. Uh, it's a little bit overwhelming, especially if Mary was indeed still unsure about what was, uh, what was coming next. But what a gift along the way. For someone to look at her and tell her her story. To say how she saw God's work unfolding in Mary's life. There is a meme, a popular meme. A meme is a picture with words at the bottom. And uh, there's a meme where two people uh, are in the picture and one person is looking at the other person. And it says, like, here's an example. Get you a man who looks at you the way Justin Trudeau looks at Barack Obama. I tried to come up with a a nonpartisan example of that, but honestly, I was crying too much in between services. We're just going to go with that one. So church, this is what I want to say to you. Get you a people who looks at you the way that Elizabeth looks at Mary. You have been those people for me. Please uh, bear with me while I try to be Elizabeth for you. I am so grateful for you. For the spirit of welcome. I'm, you know, if you, this is your first time here, this is sort of an awkward setting to enter into. But, but, but here's what, whoa, here we go. Here's what I want to tell you. This place is amazing. Never in my life have I experienced such welcome from the beginning. And I trust that today, if you are new here, you will experience that too. When I began here 11 years ago, I had never set foot in this building. We were worshiping at Agudas Akim. Maybe there's some dreidel tie-ins there. Uh, I didn't need to know what the building looked like. I mean, the building is awesome. Trust me on this one. The building is incredible. It doesn't matter. The people are what make for this church. I calculated, I think I've spent 550 hours... uh, I guess you could subtract a few hours for vacation and, and sickness, but uh, 550 hours sitting in new member meeting, talking about who was visiting the church, who was a member, and, and were they be, being plugged in. We are intentional about this, but we are also, you are also just gifted with this as a, as a, as a body of Christ. So thank you. You have made it so easy to proclaim the good news of what God is doing at Westminster. Thank you for the space that you have created for children. You might need to add some space onto the chancel, though, and now into the choir loft. Uh, Thank you. These kids feel like this is their home. They run around here like this is their building because it is. 
because you have intentionally made that so. I wish that this were true of every church. It is not. And I say thank you for making my job easy. Thank you for the joy with which you encounter one another, for the ways in which you do name before one another how you see God working through each other. Thank you for the ways that you show up. And here I want to take a minute to especially thank uh, the Flying Solo group. I started here uh, starting a young adults group, and some people may remember also uh, staffing the Flying Solo group, which Nancy Hall Behrens does so well now. These are the people that lead us, that teach us how to show up. So I thank you for being examples of how to show up for one another. This is a church that has vision. I wouldn't have a job here if it didn't. They saw that there were young adults and they made a staff position for it. I pray that your vision into what for what is next at Westminster is equally as bold. I trust that it will be. I thank you for your vulnerability. I was saying at the 8.30 service that um, it's easy to come into a place like this and you all look so good. I mean, 10 years older. (laughs) But you look good. And to think, oh, these people don't have any problems. You have problems. (laughs) We all do. Thank you for giving us the space to, to bear witness to all the facets of your lives. It is holy ground that we tread here, and what an honor it is to get to share your, your stories and to have you be vulnerable with us as we try to lead through our own vulnerability, as Jesus, uh, Jesus calls us to do. So I pray that you would be Elizabeth for one another. And finally, I would be remiss if I did not thank my people here. I am so grateful that Whitney is here. And the gifts that she brings are incredible. And I cannot wait to hear how, uh, how the relationship continues to unfold. I grieve not, not getting to see this through with you. For Patrick the joy with which you do all things has been a huge gift to me, the peace that you have brought to me for 11 years surpasses understanding in a Jesus-like way. Larry, you're all right. Uh, one of the reasons Westminster is able to keep associate pastors as long as it does is because it has great heads of staff. And, uh, you know, when Elizabeth greeted Mary, she didn't greet her out of uh, a sense of scarcity. She greeted her with a sense of abundance of what God was doing for both of them. And that is always how you have led this church. That when I have had successes, um, I have felt like you've seen that as your own success, that you've shared that with me. And that's not always the case with pastors as much as we would like it to be. 
I am so grateful for you. And now you guys get Ben. It's not fair. I mean, you could have called like less awesome people. <laughs> Finally, Mary is uh, is scared, right? She's she doesn't know what is going to happen. She is a mother who who knows if she knows her scripture, which I think she does, because what she is doing right here is she's quoting Hannah's psalm. Hannah, who was uh, wanted a child so desperately and and struggled with God around it, and then sang this song that moved from fear to trust. Mary is, is taking Hannah's song and making it her own. I feel you, brother. <laughs> Mary is able to do this because she's able to face what, what she is facing. She knows that he will be uh, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief if she knows the scripture. If he is truly going to be the son of God, she knows or she might be able to imagine how her heart will ache. And yet, she sings the song of faithfulness. This is the, what storytelling does. This is what the stories of God do. They undergird us. They give us the foundation so that we can go and do hard and risky things for the sake of God. And so, my friends, I want you to know that as Mary recounted Abraham and his descendants and, ha- and remembered the stories of how the prophets came into places and, and overturned realities, of how God worked God's strength into the world and how God might do that still through her as she is now counted, you are counted among these stories for me. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for letting me be your pastor these 11 years, more than a quarter of my life. Thank you for blessing my family, welcoming my children, being gracious with my husband, and giving me the biggest blessing a pastor could hope for. All glory and honor be to God. Amen.